trigger warning, the following podcast contains sexually explicit content pertaining to the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is Midweek Starters Weekend Recap. I'm Will Scarborough, joined by Shane Waller, Turner Ennis, and Dallas Austin. On the agenda, we have Urban Myers. What were his hands doing? Jabril Peppers gets the best coin toss in NFL history. Jets actually win a game, allegedly. Ravens set a rushing record that really pisses off the Broncos. Brady passes Breeze, and Lane Kiffin pops some popcorn. And I think we'll start there. I'll start with Turner since... uh, you actually picked Ole Miss last week. Yeah, I definitely picked Ole Miss last week. I definitely thought Lane's offense was going to provide a lot more challenges to Alabama's defense than it did. I, don't, I mean, they got off to a good start on the first drive, uh, two straight fourth down conversions, and then got stopped down the goal line. That was pretty much all the popcorn popped for the game. Um, after that, they got two more fourth down stops. Alabama's defense looked by far the best I've seen it look all year. And I think Lane was way too aggressive early in the game. He was convinced he had to score a touchdown every possession, which, to be fair, the way his defense looked, maybe they did. But he tried to score a touchdown every possession, and it led to him being down 35 nothing with 13 minutes to go More importantly, how did they get the uh, Big Al costume ready at halftime? All that proves is that Saban is... An evil genius. I'll tell you how it happened. I got insider knowledge. So the moment that Lane Kiffin made the pop your popcorn comment, about six freshman sorority girls ran to the nearest Michaels and Hobby Lobby and bought up anything and everything that possibly could look like uh, popcorn and then ran back to the stadium and literally sat out in the parking lot, and instead of making the sorority banners that normally hang from the house, they got together and they made Big Al's popcorn suit and then somehow snuck it into the stadium. Well, I think it all goes back to the old saying, talk shit equates to loss. And that happened a lot this weekend. I think think probably most for Ole Miss fans, because in the span of about three to five hours they went from we want Bama to I should probably Google where the Egg Bowl is played this year before I go to bed. And that's that's a far fall. I also think, I mean, and it goes back to how how talked up everything was getting, especially on the Ole Miss side, is on Wednesday there was one article in the Clarion Ledger which for those that don't know is the Jackson newspaper in Mississippi that had something about Kiffin started off on the ability to beat Saban. Then there were two articles on Thursday, three articles on Friday, and then of course the art two there were two art the normal article on keys to the game, and then there was one other just random article going into the game on Saturday. And the more we got closer and closer, I was like they're putting way too much out there. Also, why? Why are they doing this? They are overcompensating for what most people predicted was going to happen. A just complete and total beatdown. To be fair, the Clarion Ledger is just all Mrs. School newspaper. I mean, it is. 
It is. But also, I, I mean, I picked them too. I thought they had a shot. I thought they had a shot, and I thought that Arkansas was going to at least score some wrong. points. But <laughs> you thought wrong. wrong. I mean, just completely wrong. But more to the point, every article too, there was the one on, oh, is this going to be the year? Then it was, Ole Miss is the underdog, which they were the 14-point underdog. And it was still, that's wrong. The other thing that I've noticed is, like, there's been, I've only ever seen two or three coaches be that intense in the pregame against Saban, and every one of them has gotten their ass kicked. So I think, I mean, there's something to say about when you're that uptight as a coach, I mean, that has to flow through to your team, right? I mean, the other one that I remember doing something very similar to what Kiffin did with, like, the get your popcorn and chunks the mic at the camera was back in the playoffs, I think it was 15 or 16, D'Antoni, when he was at Michigan State, they asked, tried to ask him like a pregame question, and he just like screams at the camera, don't flinch, don't flinch, and just like walks off. And like, it seems like everybody that's that intense in the pregame and that uptight, like that has to, that energy has to flow through your, to your team, and all it leads to is you get your ass kicked. So, also I think, the, the best thing that I heard, my, my dad calls me on, I guess it was Thursday, and he said, or, or Wednesday, he's like, I know it's been probably a rough week for you, but I heard this today and I thought it was funny. All right, what is it? Ole Miss has the attitude and arrogance of Alabama, but the trophy case of Vanderbilt. That's a good one. I like that. And and it was very proven. And now he he heard it he heard it on one of the radio shows down there, but I it is a very accurate statement to how old Miss's attitude about just in general is. And another another massive shift in we got this to we don't got this had to be Texas A&M this week. Uh did y'all see the pep rally clip or the oh. the yell leader Clip it's or not. midnight it was. yell. And ah, the midnight, midnight yell. yell. Yep. Sorry, I'm not in their cult. Farmers fight. Uh, we got told that the best restaurant in Starkville, Mississippi, is uh, Applebee's. Um, and there's nothing to do in Starkville but go watch a mediocre uh, football team lose. Um, and the gentleman said it in his overalls that are painted up like a sorority girl. Um, and we we see That's what culture. happened there. Culture. College Station also isn't, like, the greatest town in the world. I mean, it'd be different if, like, Austin or someone, like, an L.A. school was talking about how put on Starkville is. But let's not act like College Station is the the mecca of all energy and diversity. And, I mean, it's a bunch of rednecks in College Station, too. Well, and let's not act like State doesn't have a winning record against Texas A&M either. Also fair. I was worried going into this weekend, even though A&M still, to me, hasn't proven pr- proven any merit this year. They're not good. Just like They're not every, good right uh, now. They're not good. And they, they also, well, hard to argue that they've been good recently. They've also only had the one quarterback, right? I mean, just Mon is the only quarterback yeah. that he's had since he's been there. So, I mean, this is the first time he's had to show up to a game with us. Now, to be fair, he's playing with the backup, so the guy he groomed all offseason to be a starter, sitting on the sideline and walking dude. But, I mean, both of these guys are his recruits, right? Whereas Mon was someone he inherited. So, 
Well, Definitely be interesting to see Jimbo Fisher supposed to be an offensive genius. He's supposed to be this quarterback guru, but what he's shown so far this year, it's like he might want to reevaluate his scouting. Also, one other thing he needs to reevaluate is his play calling sheet. That thing is so highlighted, you could see that damn thing from space. And every if every heard, time if I heard play call they cut sheet to it once, every time they cut to it. I just turned my head because I knew that, oh my gosh, I'm going to be blinded by it. No wonder he has glasses and needs them. Maybe get rid of the highlighter there, Jimbo. You know, if every place highlighted is any. If your whole play sheet is highlighted, doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose of being highlighted? He's an offensive guru, man. They're all good plays. Yes. Also, what was in the notebook he was... Leech over there with his index card. That is a crazy juxtaposition. His play sheet and leeches. Well, ESPN's thought so too. And uh, before we move on, I do have to make an apology for some comments that I made last week to the Stanford Cardinal. I, <laughs> I, I, we were picking our picks for college, and let me can I just I, let me just phrase it this way, Wills? What happens when a duck sits on top of a tree? I said it shits on the tree, and that was incorrect because what actually happens is the tree falls on the duck and the duck shits itself and doesn't make the playoffs. Hey. So apologies to Stanford and their cardinal tree. All right, moving on. Um, moving on, but taking one quick break to what's currently happening. So of course, the lightning delay tonight. I'm going up against. I'm I'm in a very close match where a kicker could determine. Now I don't think it's going to happen. It's going to it's going to would take a lot, but it's always possible after the last couple of weeks of kicking. Uh, you're in the, you're in another close one that's going to come down to Waller. Yeah, I kind of had a feeling that was going to happen. Now, we are not of relation. Yeah, I didn't. You know, you have such an athletic build. I was really. You Definitely might. over here. Not, not scrawny. I was very, here. very confused of what was going on there, but yeah. All right, speaking of scrawny asses. Um, that one yeah, Urban yeah, Meyer tried to hit was I, not <laughs> scrawny at all. Hey. <laughs> um, yeah, he uh, he was, it, for anyone who's been living under a rock and doesn't know, Urban Meyer was at a restaurant last Friday and was almost led onto the dance floor and he had to have a press conference about it. Did anyone watch the press conference? Yes, I did. It was sad and depressing. I watched the clip. My favorite part is they asked him if he had to apologize to his family and he said, oh yeah, they're upset at home. Well, I mean, hell. Duh. No one knows where his hand is. Lord knows where the hell his wedding ring went to. There's... There's now an alternate view out there, Dallas. There's an alternate camera angle that I think reveals exactly where his hand. And I think I think my statement is still accurate. No one knows where that wedding ring is. This was all really just a big misunderstanding. Uh, He mistook that young lady for family, and he was just trying to make sure that family came first. Oh, we can cut that. We should not cut (laughs) it. I mean, I can go into the fact that I think he's just applying to be the Trojans' new head, head coach uh, with his performance in Ohio this weekend. Um, contrary to what he said in the, the press conference, uh, instead of trying to get him to the, the dance floor, I think what he meant to say was he was trying to get that lady to the hotel room. Uh, he was, uh, you know, he's 
special teams is always really important when you are playing football. You know, lots of big plays, and he was just trying to get the hands team some extra reps. Uh, Irvin also announced at the press conference ago that he had this, that he's uh, shifting away from the shotgun offensive philosophy and more to an under center mentality. <laughs> um, so I looked up just to be Dallas is that dying. Was, Dallas I've is heard dying. One, yet it's still so good. <laughs> For, for those of you that don't know, Urban Meyer is 57 years old. I looked him up, and I also found out yeah, this he is six foot two, 163 pounds. He's smaller than I am, and that that's he is something. like Shane and I are two skinny dudes, and Urban Meyer is much skinnier. He is two inches taller than me and weighs approximately the same amount. Like that is incredible to me. So so Turner, with us being the fat guys, He's you want to meet at Waffle House later for dinner? My treat. I, yeah, I, I, hear, I got a reservation at Popeye's after this. I hear those are the best restaurants in Starkville. I'm not sure. On the sideline, to me, he just didn't. His, it doesn't seem like his mind is there. Now, all joking aside, I don't know if that is just he's regretting decisions he has made to come back to coaching or – if he's just not actually giving this 100% because they're awful or what's going on, but he just, he had such lackadaisical looks most of the time they showed him. And I mean, and I realized that he's probably just upset, but I don't know. I was just going to, I wanted another opinion. I think he it's lost. someone else who may have. I think it's because this. This was, this was when they still had a chance to win. I think it's because the stadium in Cincinnati didn't sell Papa John pizzas. So he was going to have to settle for Pizza Hut or something like that in the in the tunnel. So that's what I blame it on. <laughs> you know, everyone's like, will he be successful in Jacksonville? I think like the conversation has to shift. Like, do you think he makes it a full year? I do, but I don't think he makes it to a second. If he doesn't, it's not like Jacksonville. I mean, it's the same. It, we we've talked about it for several weeks now. There's no difference. You can draft a quarterback all you want to. But if you don't draft or plug the tools around said quarterback, you're not doing yourself any favors. So it's not necessarily that this is all Urban's fault. I mean, look at look at what Gruden did when he first got to Oakland. Well, when they were in Oakland, to the Raiders. He started mixing and plugging and changing everything. And they've actually, it's not, they're not Super Bowl caliber yet, but they've made a lot of strides and they've progressed in ways that a lot of people didn't think they would. But at the same time, I'm not sure that Urban has the same ability to go to the GM and be like, all right, we're going to do this, this, and this the same way that Gruden did. And if he doesn't do that, he's not going to ever be successful in Jacksonville. I mean, let's be clear. Urban's just not used to losing. I mean, like he, t- I mean, he talks about like, his, too. like how competitive he is and how physically taxing it was for him to lose just one game in college. And you talk about, like, he took on a project where – even if you do an incredible job, Jacksonville is four years away from being a legit football team. And even a good team in the and NFL is 12-4. and four. So you're still going to lose four games a year, right? So, I mean, he's used to being at Ohio State or Florida, and he's used to having all the best players, and he's used to winning 12 to 14 games a year, and 10 of those are pretty easy wins, and he has to fight for one or two of them. Every week in the NFL is a battle. And it's just like with the way it's structured, professional football, 
the quality of coaches across the board, every week is a battle. And one minor mistake equals, especially when you have a team like Urban, like every, one minor mistake equals a loss, right? So in, in my mind, Jacksonville should have won that game. And they just, I mean, they were up, what, what 14 nothing at halftime? I mean, they just gave it away. I mean, it, he physically struggles with losing, and he took on a project where he's probably going to lose 12 to 14 games for the next two to three years. Not, not to mention, I mean, even think, think back to his college days. He didn't stay anywhere where he saw the writing on the wall too long. He was out at Florida after, what, a year of Tebow being gone? And he was out at Ohio State, what, a year, two years after they won? I mean, it's not like he's, it's not like he's ever even pushed through or powered through a losing season. Or even given it an even fair shot. So, this year, I mean, if he... I, that's the only reason I think he will give up if he doesn't win. Then just call it give up. Because, I mean, he's not going to win this year. They're not good enough. Now, speaking of the Jets and their one win, they did defeat the Titans. It was a very injured Titans team, but they did beat them. Um, Zach Wilson played very well, 21-34 for 297 and two touchdowns. And we're, just, we're not going to worry about the interception because they won. Um, I was shocked by this, honestly. Tannehill was 30-49, of 49, so they passed the ball nearly 50 times. The Titans did, and they didn't have their top two receivers. I mean, it's not like Derrick Henry didn't run for He ran for 157. That's one of those where you go back and look at the stats, and I just don't get it. It seems like the Titans should have ran it down their throat the whole time with Henry. Slowed the game down, which I think they did. They were up for a half of football. I don't understand how in the second half with Derrick Henry – you let the Jets come back and beat you. I will say this. I only saw overtime because I caught the bonus coverage. Henry did not look right to me in the fourth quarter in overtime. So I don't know if that contributed. That's my only That's fair. I only caught the first part. but it just, it just seems to me like 49 passes was high for a team without Julio and AJ. But... Maybe a closet Jets fan now. I'm a I'm a believer now. The Colts finally won a game. Can believe there. Sorry, I. Sorry. Fair enough. No, but I th- I think I might. You know, like everyone has like their guilty pleasure team. I think the Jets could be my guilty pleasure team. I may actually like learn their roster besides Zach Wilson and and uh, Mike White. Oh, Mike White. You can't forget offensive superpower, Mike White. I'm going to get a Mike White jersey, and we're on Sundays now, actually. Can you get a Mike White jersey? I'm sure if you go onto the Jets' website, you could probably find it. it. You might have to do like... Generally, they have most players. They might have to do like a custom jersey. Yeah, I was going to say, Mike White might be so so bad, you actually have to customize and make it yourself. I mean, we joke about Mike White, but we're one injury away from a whiteout. How long have you been waiting to say that? Months now. About a week and a half. Week and a half. Not surprised. About a that week ago. Watch the copyrights. It was the Jim Nance prescribed joke that he like teed up for himself like three hours ago. He's been holding in his pocket. Yeah. Yeah. He's he he practices teeing those up in his backyard golf course. Very jealous of Jim. Nance. I mean, that is a pretty pretty sick 
backyard golf course, though. I mean, if you if you're synonymous with the Masters, like you kind of have to have that. Though. True. Very very true. Moving forward, Jabril Peppers. Did everyone see the coin toss? I did. Finally. The yes. fist pump. The we want the ball. Fuck them. Like awesome. First game of the year, they win. If they don't send Jabril Peppers out to do every coin toss at the beginning of every game from here on out, like Judge wants to lose. They don't do it. Then fuck them. I mean, yeah. If if they elect to kick, fuck them. Every every time they win, it, that's what it needs to be. Because like they, I'm a superstitious sports fan. They found something that works. Also, uh. I have a weird question that I'm sure like some SEC officiating crews might get answered for me. With the uh, newfound interest in the coin toss and expletives after the coin toss, would it be possible to start a game with a taunting penalty before the opening kickoff? I'm going to go with no. Taunting is an NFL focus area? No. It's an NFL focus Yeah. So... I know, but I would need an SEC ref to explain it. <laughs> I think we should start the Super Bowl out with a taunting penalty. Whoever gets up in their face and says, we're going to beat you. I want to see it. I, I would pull for that team. Whoever gets the first taunting penalty pregame, I will pull for your team. And, and if Wills is wearing a Mike White jersey, I'm wearing a jersey of whatever player gets the penalty. That's fair. And, uh, well, actually, I actually may end up being – a New York fan, New York Giants fan now instead of the Jets because you have that and you have Eli Manning flipping everybody off on national TV. So like the Giants have really got like some major fu energy going on for them right now. And I Can love you just it. be a New York football fan in general, Jets and Giants. To be fair, you were two and zero. I, I can do if, if you were. You could, you technically could be a Giant Jet. And you could get a hat that's like super, like three foot wide wingspan of a jet, and it would could have giant on the side of it, and then you could be a giant jet, or the giant like the what's the hard hat that the Jets fans wear? I could just um, get like a really big one of those. Yeah, or you could come to dinner with me and Turner at Waffle House after this and grow like three times my size, and then be a Jets fan, and you could be a giant jet. Also, side side note on the Waffle House. They have raised the price of the all-star breakfast. We were there over the weekend. Yeah. Thanks, Obama. An hour and a half outside of the city. So this wasn't this wasn't DC price. Uh, yeah, it's, this was just Waffle House price. It's prices. not surprising to see things get higher at Waffle House. Uh moving on. Ravens. Um Ravens have some drama after their past game. Um with three seconds left, they uh ran a play to get to forty three. Three consecutive 100-yard rushing games, which uh, John Harbaugh thought was very important to his team and his group. But uh, the Broncos coach, uh, Dallas, can you pronounce this guy's name for me real quick? I don't have it in front of me. F-A-N-G-I-O was his name of? Hold on. How do you spell that one more time? F-A-N. F-A-N-G-I-O. Fangio? Fangio it is. Fangio? All right, so Fangio. Mr. Mr. Fangio of the Denver Broncos said that he thought it was bullshit, but he expected it from them 
and he's never seen it in 30, uh, seven, 37 years, and that their player's safety is secondary, which they might have something there with like every running back they have having gotten hurt in the preseason. But I think, I think Harbaugh said uh, something about them throwing late in the game, but that roughly translates to cry about it. Can I update my pronunciation, please? Yes, please. Uh, I've thought about it, and I'm going to go with uh, Coach Fangio. So Vic the Fange. Fangio. The Fange. Vic Fangio, Fangio was like... No, the Fange. He's the Fange okay. now. The Fange. Hey. The, the Fange. Was like, that was bullshit. In the press conference. And not in the post-game press conference. In like the Monday afternoon, had time to think about it all day, press conference. Was like, that was bullshit. Really bitter about the whole like five yard rushing play there, and Harbaugh was basically like, "We beat you." Cry about it. You want to do something about it? Stop it. Yeah, I mean it's. You can't tell me in thirty seven years, in thirty seven years of coaching, he hasn't seen someone run a play at the end. Of the I mean, the Fonz has seen a lot of things in thirty seven years. So I mean, I feel like he's had this. That's fair. Maybe maybe he's just a little butthurt. Everybody watched Tom Brady night last night. I think they played football too, but did y'all see Tom Brady night? Wait, Tom Brady played football last night? I didn't see any football. I just saw a a family reunion in Foxborough. My mother texts me and goes, because it's no secret, hate Tom Brady, hate the Patriots, don't care that Tom Brady doesn't play there anymore, still hate the Patriots, had nothing, it's just a Patriots thing. Mom goes, who you have tonight? So that's in my prediction or who I want to win? She's like, both. I said, well, I think Tampa Bay is going to win. But if it floods in Foxborough, I'm not going to be very upset about it. Unfortunately, the flood didn't happen. But the flood of Tom Brady fanfare definitely did from Al Michaels and Chris Collins. I think that's why I'm going to be a, just a New York fan of football now. Because you would never, never see a Jets fan wearing a jersey that was split between New England and Tampa Bay with a 12 on it. It is amazing to me how much they still love him. But, I mean, I get it, too. I mean, it's hard not to. I mean, look at what he did for that franchise. I mean, the the comment made about how his family was in a a luxury suite, like, that, that would never happen anywhere else. With any other player, even coming back from an, another New England player coming back to Foxborough. Like, that would never happen if it wasn't Tom Brady. Between him and Belichick, that franchise has a lot to be thankful for from him. So it, I'm not surprised in the slightest. It's still just amazing. He really didn't know. Tampa Bay's in trouble. He really didn't play that well. Well, I think the bigger problems Tampa Bay has is, like, they're fixing to have to, like, have tryouts to play in their secondary because they got, a, they got another one hurt last night, and they literally just picked Richard Sherman up off the street and were just like, hey, we have a jersey for you over here. Will you please come line up? For fantasy football, just for fantasy football, I want every piece of every game involving Tampa Bay because they're not going to be able to stop people from slinging it all over the field, and they can, too, sling it all over the field. So the the scoring in any game Tampa Bay is involved in should go through the roof. Unless 
unless you have their, the visiting running back. You don't want the Tampa Bay opponent running back. But everybody else is a pretty solid play right now. But I think flipping the coin, I think it's a good preview of what we could potentially get out of Mac Jones down the line. And yes, Tampa Bay's banged up. But I still think there's a future just from watching last night. Now, I could be completely uh, wrong, be good. which wouldn't be the first or last time. But well, He did not seem at all intimidated that he was playing Tom Brady in New England. Not in the slightest. I mean, there, there, there is definitely, and there's showing some of the signs. I can't remember most of them, but there was, there was definitely some Mac Jones love going on, even through the, the Tom Brady fangirls. Uh, does any oh Dallas the Yellowwood Five Hundred before we wrap things up had uh, some historic uh things go on in it today. Would you care to enlighten us with a little NASCAR recap? Sure. Uh, yeah, the Yellowwood Five Hundred at Talladega was supposed to run yesterday, which would have been October third, but due to rain in the area, um, it got delayed until today, October fourth. So it started at twelve noon uh, central. And um, a couple wrecks here and there, nothing too crazy. Justin Allgaier got into Kyle Larson um, at the end of stage one, put him in the wall. Um, So Kyle Larson's day was kind of ended early. He got back out and continued to run on track, but nothing, uh, not in a competitive manner. Um, And then Kyle Larson then blew a tire from the wreck um, from damage he received. So his day was pretty much done. Uh, He's still in the top eight in the points, so doing good there. Continuing on almost to the end of stage two, um, Alex Bowman got put in the wall um, and collected two or three other cars with him, uh, but nothing nothing too crazy. Uh, and then the rains came, and uh, Talladega being 2.66 miles, uh, it's just not enough time in the day to, to dry that track when it rains um, as late as it did. So with that, Bubba Wallace was leading when the red flag came out, and he was declared the race winner. Uh, so congratulations to Bubba Wallace, his uh, 23XI team, uh, McDonald's, all of his sponsors. Um, and also um, a fun fact and, and something very historic for, for him is um, he is the first African-American NASCAR driver to win at the top, at the top level of NASCAR since, I think, in the back in the 60s. Um, so something really neat for the sport. Um, he's also a Mobile, Alabama native. So it was his home race up there in Talladega, just a couple hours uh, from his home. So really great for him and um, great for his new team and, and for all of NASCAR in general. So we continue on next week with uh, the Roval in Charlotte. There we go. Uh, all right, boys, we got a, a lot we'll get into later in the week. Looking forward. Uh, any uh, closing thoughts for us? I would just like to say thank you to the Internet for making the Cardinals win possible. Um, it's through everyone thinking and saying that the Cardinals will win. The Cardinals will win that they did win. So um, to the rest of the naysayers uh, on the podcast and in the world, uh, in Kyler, we trust. I was going to say, I am a little shocked that we didn't talk about the Bo Nix Bonanza. Ah, yes, we can talk briefly about the uh, Bo Nix we ha- Bonanza. We've got to cap real fast on the Bo Nix Bonanza. Um, I didn't watch the entire game, but what I did watch, holy hell. Where did that come from? 
mainly the first mainly the first half like what in the world all of a sudden the guy is just a genius at escaping and throwing the ball downfield and being a great well, quarterback I don't think one play makes you a genius it was multiple he did it he did it several times it wasn't like it was he did it once and it's everybody was oh no he did it twice at least twice think it was the kind of play that you beat uh, Tom Brady in the Super Bowl with hashtag New York. All right, I think I think we're good. <laughs>